I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, August 17th, 2021. Welcome to this special edition of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Although I'm taking a few days off, the CJN Daily has some great content for you to listen to as we're rewinding to some of our best episodes from when the podcast started in May, in case you missed it or you want to listen again. On today's episode of the CJN Daily, we're taking a look at two historic Jewish tragedies, half a century apart, that were being commemorated this summer in Canada by thousands of people who survived the events, and no, it wasn't the Holocaust. On June 1st, Jewish Canadians and their descendants who originally came from Iraq marked the 80th anniversary of a wartime pogrom in Baghdad called Farhud. Meanwhile, Jewish Canadians from Argentina marked the 27th anniversary of the AIMA bombing in July. That's when Iranian-backed terrorists blew up Buenos Aires' Jewish Federation building in 1994. Coming up, you'll meet three people who chose to immigrate to Canada as their safe haven, leaving their home countries where Jews were no longer welcome. That's what it sounded like when cantor Daniel Ben Lolo of Montreal's Spanish and Portuguese synagogue chanted the Hashkavah, memorial prayer. It was an online ceremony for the victims of the Farhud. They're marking the 80th anniversary of the Farhud this week, June 1st and 2nd. The Farhud was a two-day-long pogrom against the Jewish community of Iraq in the spring of 1941, right on the holiday of Shavuot. Pro-Nazi rioters killed hundreds of Jews in Baghdad and destroyed 900 Jewish homes and businesses. Eventually, several hundred thousand Farhud survivors moved to Israel, and about 500 families made their way later to Canada. I don't want to compare it to the, to the Holocaust, but we had our own uh, suffering. The Farhud was a turning point in the fate of Iraq's 2,000-year-old Jewish community. Zionism was later declared a crime, Jews were turfed from government jobs, and within a few years after the end of the Second World War and the founding of the State of Israel in 1948, Iraq decided to let their Jews leave. But those who did were stripped of their citizenship and all their assets. Some were smuggled out. About 130,000 others came to Israel via airlifts called Operation Ezra and Nehemiah. Today, there are only about three or four Jews left in Baghdad. Coming up, you'll meet two Canadians who lived through the Farhud as young boys. Joe Samuels was born in 1930 in the Takdel Takia neighborhood of Baghdad. He was ten and a half when the Farhud happened. His family barricaded themselves in their house all night, staying on the roof, praying and crying, until Iraqi troops entered the lawless city and stopped the raping and looting and killing of Jews. He stayed in Iraq until he was finished high school, but by then it was becoming increasingly dangerous for Jewish people. Samuels and one of his brothers were smuggled out of the country via Iran, and they made their way to Israel. Eventually, he moved to Montreal. Joe Samuels now lives in California, where he's a sought-after speaker and has a new book out about the Farhut. The, the history of the Jews in Arab land is not well known. I mean, it, I don't want to compare it to the the Holocaust, but we had our own uh, suffering and our own treatment. Our life, thank God, during the war was better, uh, but uh, we had our own 
what we call crystal nacht or the difference. The Farhud was a major event that really uh, awoke the, the, the Jews in, in Iraq that, you know, at best, we were looked at as strangers and worst, we'd look as traitors. Montrealer Sami Sarani was five or six years old when he survived the Farhud. An uncle and a cousin did not. Sarani also fled to Israel and eventually came to Canada. He's been documenting the actual numbers of the victims of the Farhud and helping to document some of the names of Jews buried in Baghdad's ancient Jewish cemetery, which the government bulldozed over in 1958 to build a road. The old cemetery contained a mass grave of the Farhud victims, and that's gone. Sorani says the government erased evidence of the genocide of his people. The number 180, about 180, was rather cooked. Why? I can refer you to a document from the uh, British uh, Foreign Affairs, where you can read that the estimate of the British High Commissioner in Baghdad was about 1,000 a day. So the 180, that doesn't include those who went on the river to pray because it was uh, uh, the Jewish festival. They hit them on the head, throw them in the river. There was no trace of their bodies. Families were disappeared totally. And those people who were uh, a bit, let us say, injured, they took them to the hospital. In the hospital, they treat them mostly in a bad way and they died. Those are not included in that basic grave. That's a clip from a ceremony held last year featuring Winnipeggers Nina Elberg and Marcelo Lubaki performing the memorial hymn to the victims of the July 18, 1994 bombing that blew up the Jewish Community Center in Buenos Aires, Argentina. The tragedy is usually referred to as the AMIA bombing. It leveled the community's main Jewish Federation building. 85 Jewish people were killed. 300 more were hurt. It was the worst terrorist attack in the history of Argentina and the worst one against Jews anywhere outside of Israel since the Holocaust. Although investigators have blamed Iran and Hezbollah operatives, it's never been solved. B'nai B'rith Canada is holding this year's national online commemorative service to mark the 27th anniversary and renew calls from here in Canada for justice. So why is B'nai B'rith involved and why should you care about it today? Because after the AMIA bombing and the bombing of the Israeli embassy in Buenos Aires a little earlier, many Jewish families from Argentina decided to leave and they moved to Canada, where they're still dealing with the trauma and hoping for justice. Well, I would say one of the reasons why we picked uh, Winnipeg and why we picked Canada is because we feel safe here. But having said so, I would like to, to leave this idea that if it happened in Argentina, it could happen anywhere. It was 9.53 on Monday, July 18, 1994. Although most agree that Iran and Hezbollah operatives carried out the bombing, none of the suspects has been brought to justice. And the Argentine government has long been accused of covering it all up to protect their ties to Iran. There's a Netflix series that came out last year. You might have seen it. It was about the Jewish prosecutor, Alberto Nisman. 
He was about to present his full report to Parliament on who did it and who in the Argentinian government protected the suspects, but he was mysteriously found murdered in his apartment the day before his speech. Hernán Popper is the grandson of Holocaust survivors who fled Austria during the Second World War and made their way to Argentina. In 1994, Hernán was in his early 20s, and he was at work in his family's business in the historic Jewish neighborhood of Buenos Aires when he heard the huge explosion at the Amia Jewish Community Building. He survived. He knows lots of people who didn't. After all, he says the country's Jewish community is just a little smaller than the size of Canada's Jewish population right now, or about 300,000 people. Popper would always attend the annual memorial service every year for July 18th for the victims, and he continues to do so since he and his wife and family moved to Winnipeg in 2003. B'nai B'rith has been asking Canada to declare the entire Iranian Revolutionary Guard to join the list of banned terror groups in this country. Right now, just one branch of it is, not the whole force. It's also blamed for shooting down that Ukrainian airliner earlier last year, killing nearly 180 people, including 55 Canadians. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care.